1: Five hundred two, Starting 502. The Starting 502 Podcast, powered by the state of Louisville. All right, guys, we are back for another edition of the Starting 502 Podcast. As you know, my name is Presley Meyer, and we're going to change it up just a little bit. Instead of my loyal co-host, we're going to have Ethan Sprouls and Madison Wood. Madison Woods, Madison Wood. I always forget, so, uh, there'll always be like Ethan Sprouls and Madison Woods to me, but <laughs> Ethan Sprouls and Madison Wood uh, with us here tonight, kind of covering Louisville's one hundred three fifty one win over West Georgia in the final exhibition of the season. Um, guys, how are we doing? I guess, first of all, Madison, welcome. It's It's been, it's been way too long. It's been way too long. <laughs> yeah. How are you, Maddie?
2: I'm doing. I'm doing really good. Um, I'm really glad basketball season's kicking off again. My favorite time of the year, obviously, a lot, probably all of our favorite time of the year, um, if we're being honest. But yeah, I'm really excited to to get to talk about Cardinal basketball again. It's been a really, really long time. So thanks for ask, having me.
1: Yeah, of course, of course. Let me ask you, as somebody that lives in California, as a local basketball fan, is mm-hmm. it weird? You know, when most people like getting off work, like you're like tuning into a game. Is that odd, or is it yeah. just like a way of life
2: now? Uh, uh, it's, it, I've been here almost three years now, which is crazy to say. Um it's, It seems like the longest three years ever, but also gone by in a blur, if that makes right. any sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, but I definitely, I, I actually kind of like it. I kind of enjoy it because like, right when I'm getting off of work, like a game is starting and it's over by 8 PM, you know, I'm not up till one in the morning watching a game or you know, right. I remember those days living in Louisville, watching, you know, five overtimes with Notre Dame, my lids open at two o'clock in the morning, you know,
1: right, <laughs> uh, right. stuff
2: like that. So out here, you know, it's only 10 o'clock. I'm, a, I'm three hours, three hours behind. So about eight o'clock here right now. But I really I really has become become a way of life for me. I really I actually enjoy it, though. I've kind of gotten used to it. I think it would be weird if, like the first time I get to finally come back and visit and like be back on that time. It's going to be really weird for me. My body's going to have to adjust. Definitely.
1: Right. Right. For sure. For people that are in Louisville or kind of on the East coast, like what, what is the feel around college basketball out there? Is there any, like, do you ever run into so, somebody that's like a big UCLA fan or like, I don't even know Stanford or something like that. Like, is is there, is there ever something like that or is it well, always just like, just any sports but but college basketball.
2: I'm sure that maybe in like Northern California there might be a little more of that. It's very culturally different down here in Southern California, about an hour away from LA. Right. I'm about three hours away from the Mexican border. So very, very Southern California. So the culture down here, they're very into their, and they have a lot of professional sports to love. I mean, there are a lot of, you know, Raider fans that even though they're in Vegas now, which I'm only about three hours from Vegas as well. Right. Um, you know, we're LA, you know, and all that, all that around there, if they love their chargers, their Rams, their, you know, their Raiders, even a lot of Niner fans down here in Southern California, even though the Bay is pretty far away, but you know, they've got so much, even, even like the hockey, like the LA Kings and the, um, the uh, soccer teams out here, you know, they, they really have so much like professional stuff to, to hang on to and, to and to love that they don't really care as much about the college aspect. Right. Um, and actually what I didn't even, what I didn't even realize until I moved out, it's actually a couple blocks away from me. I can hear them racing whenever they race. It's big out here. Is a uh, like the Talladega and the NASCAR. They've actually got a track, like I said, right down. And when they, they had uh, right before COVID started had the Goodyear blimp out here because they were tell it was televised on, on national TV and they fly the Goodyear blimp at that race every year. And, and it, I could literally see it from my house. And that was huh. pretty cool for me just cause I'd seen it on TV. You know, I'm not like into NASCAR, but I just thought it was pretty dope. You know, that they were doing something like that, that close to my house. So it, it's definitely, there's so many different things out here that they, that they have and that, you know, that they can really cheer for and, and get into so college is kind of like an afterthought whereas you know we know louisville there's no a really big nba to louisville movement you know going on right now you know hopefully i I think that'd be something that'd be really good for the city but you know the cardinals are it as far as you know Mm -hmm. our what we really put our time and energy and our our you know backing into and uh, so you know this is you know prime time for us so out here like i said you know you get them there and there scattered but mostly they're they're into their professional sports and a bunch of different things they got going out here in California, big, 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 big cities out here. So a lot of stuff going on. I
1: mean, I cannot imagine as an athlete and as a fan, having a better city to kind of play in or to be a fan of a team in, because there's just, there's not a shortage of teams. Like it seems like there's two of every professional sports team. It it seems like, and, and it seems like they're you know, as franchises expand and stuff, it seems like there's been more added. And sports, it, it, it seems like sports is kind of on the back burner there, yet it's like almost the epicenter of sports there. And as an athlete and as a fan, there's no better place to live uh, as far as culture, as far as the weather and everything else like that uh, than being being in L.A. So it, I'm sure it's a different experience. Uh, yeah, it's definitely a culture
2: that. shock. If you ever get a chance to come out here, that, that you will definitely – realize louisville is very diverse and and and, uh, that's one of the things you know i love about louisville very diverse and very full of uh, a bunch of great creative people and creative things and 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 very cool things to see and do and it's crazy because even though there's not a lot of people into college sports out here there are people who because they hear my accent and they know i'm not from california right so i get i get where are you from you know they're not really scared to ask me and so I tell him, "Me, you know, I'm from Kentucky, you know." And I, oh, Kentucky, okay. And most of them haven't even heard of it, but you know, I say Louisville, and they go, "Oh, I've heard of Louisville, right?" And and that's crazy out here. And you know, even even with the, the you know the movements, like, you know, even with like Bryson Tiller and Jack Harlow, like. You know, I'll, I'll go into a, a restaurant or to whatever you know, to like you know, fast food places that play you know, usually like awful music over their speakers, but sure, but in their lobbies. But like Jack Harlow beyond and people are like mouthing the lyrics and bumping. I'm like y'all over here talking about I-65 and 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 riding, going 85 and driving from Louisville to Lexington, listening to Bryson Tiller, and like I'm <laughs> like I live there, like I grew like like th- that's right. my city, you know. So like, but I think it's awesome to be all the way out here on the West Coast, literally. You know, out here, basically in LA, and people know about Louisville. So I think I I get into some pretty interesting conversations back and forth. But you know, I I don't want to get too long winded about that on this particular podcast because we're trying to talk about basketball. But yeah, it is really, really dope. Everything you're saying about LA, California, it really is larger than life. A lot of it really is larger than life.
1: Yeah, it's it's an interesting time to move out there because of kind of the cultural shift in Louisville and and kind of like you said, you know, there, there is a lot of music. Every other movie I watch is like based in Appalachia or, um, you know, Kentucky or Louisville. Like that's like a very trendy thing right now is to kind of have like pop culture thinking back, back to Louisville and Kentucky culture um, in in this area in general. So that is fascinating. But uh, I think another culture shock would be, you know, like somebody from the West coast moving to Louisville or somebody from Uh, a bigger city moving to Louisville just because of how passionate we are and a perfect indicator that is having a podcast about uh, an exhibition game. Uh, And there's no better person to talk about that than our man, Ethan Sprouse, um, one of the faces (laughs) of the student section. Ethan, I don't know if you've been to a game yet this year, uh, but as you can probably expect, you were heavily featured uh, in all the pregame videos and all of that stuff. So um, (laughs) I, I, I don't know if you've seen any of that yet, but be looking forward to that. For the first game, Ethan, how are we doing,
0: man? I'm doing great. I've not uh, seen it yet. I was at the red white scrimmage. I don't think they had that ready yet. Right, but that right. is um, that's cool to hear. It is, it is honestly to speak on that. It is kind of wild to just hear that. Even though it, I've been doing this for several years now, I still kind of find myself in a, amazement of just kind of what my U of L experience has been like uh, growing up as a kid. I'm sure all of you all can relate to this. Just, you know, playing in the driveway, pretending to be Terrence Williams or, you know, Earl Clark or Francisco Garcia or Peyton Siva or Russ Smith and wanting to always, you know, attend U of L and be in the student section and go into games and to be a part of this is just a blessing and it's an honor and it's been a whole lot of fun. And it's it's still it still is really cool. Like whenever, you know, I see stuff like that, it still doesn't feel real sometimes. So sorry to get sappy. But no, no, no. My, I mean, last... and,
1: and that's, that's what I love about the Louisville culture. You know, I mean, we, we want to get into the, into the game and, and previewing the season and talking about exhibition games, but that's kind of, kind of the fun part about, you know, getting back into this stuff is talking about the culture, talking about the experience. Um, you know, I like, I put together a little video of just like the experience of going to and covering a, 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 a little basketball game tonight <clears throat> because it's, there's all this fodder. Like I, I saw a lot of people posting about, you know, the, the attendance, like there's only 13,000 and 12,000 people at the exhibition game. Like, you know, how many programs would kill to have 12,000 people at a game that doesn't even matter. Right. Like, like some, I know somebody from, uh, from, from my place of work, uh, who attended one of the games, you know, they were like just taken aback by like the fact that a, it's a college arena, uh, the KFC Yum Center and, and B, just like the the atmosphere for a game that doesn't even matter. Like it's just, it just, it's kind of right. just mind blowing, you know. It, it's very similar, like, you know, going to an exhibition game for a Louisville or Kentucky or Kansas game or something like that would be like going to the, like the Nebraska spring game or something like that. Season that might not even be massive, but it's just the cultural undertaking and it's just like something that you do uh, being a part of the city. Um, so it's it's always been yeah. fascinating to me, but um, you know, I'm I'm excited to see what the student section looks like this year, Ethan. I know that we have a, a ton of awesome stuff planned, as always. Um, coming from the student section, it uh, sounds like you guys had some meetings in the off season, uh, where you're you know filling up uh, rooms in Davidson Hall. You had players and uh, Lottie Stockwell and, and and all these people uh mm-hmm. attend in attendance and just getting the student section section fired up. And that's one thing that I think people will be excited about um, you know, here in the next week uh, when, when the games start kicking off um, it is just actually having a full student section because I don't know if you've seen on TV, but that section is basically empty right now. So uh, that'll yeah. be exciting to see. Uh, seems like uh, we, we're, we have a pet band that's under a new director um, and they're super active and into the game. So that'll be fun to watch as well. Speaking of um, the actual season coming up, I kind of want to get into this game tonight. West Georgia, I'll start with you, Ethan, but but initial thoughts from the exhibitions overall.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, I saw the red-white scrimmage, and my takeaway from that was immediately, oh, wow. this They were not joking. It was not just talk when they were saying they reshaped the offense. Um, there was tons of buzz about that. And lots of times when coaches kind of hit a rocky time at a school, They bring in a new assistant. They talk all this game. And and in some cases, usually there's no difference. And things usually just end up really poorly and things never really change. So far, obviously, just an exhibition, just a scrimmage that we've had so far. It doesn't seem like that. I mean, this this team looks fun to watch. We're not sure how good they're going to be, but it's definitely going to be a lot of fun. Um, I've noticed right off the bat they're a lot more aggressive. I mean, I saw guys tr- with driving dunks. I mean, we had real fast breaks that I think we haven't seen in a while at UofL. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, it's just been nice to see guys playing with confidence. Um, with the swing passes and the new offense, it, it's been really fun to watch. I'm excited.
1: Maddie. what about you? What is your uh, – if you could kind of sum it up in like a, you know a paragraph, what is your takeaway – um, from these initial exhibition games.
2: Well, initially, you know, West Georgia definitely looked a lot more uh, uh, like a lot better team than the team we just played. Uh, right. I feel like I feel like and I like that. I like that right off the bat. I was like, okay, these guys, you know, look like they came to play. So it, you know, that's always good, even in an it, exhibition, um, where you pretty much know you're gonna win. It's not about getting the win. It's about, you know taking a look at you know how your team looks and and, you know, just kind of getting tuned up before the real thing. Cause you want it. Cause you want to see growth. And I think we did. I think, um, I don't know how, how many turnovers did they have tonight? Presley. Oh gosh.
1: You know that's how many a great turnovers question. We had keep talking. I'll figure it out.
2: I know we had 17 the game before. So, and Chris Mack was talking in the post game after last game, uh, the first exhibition that we, if we keep it 12 and under, that he's okay with that because of the pace.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so
2: which, which that I understand, but, uh, I don't know. I kind of feel the same way Ethan does, because there are certain things that, that you have to wait and see how they're going to turn out. But there are also some things that you can just tell right off the bat that are different, like energy and effort and, you know, the mm-hmm. the pace and just things like that. Like those things you're going to see, you know, an immediate difference, because those are things that are just, you know, those are fundamentals. Those are basic you know, aspects of, of the game and energy and the effort, and you know, making sure you're given 110%, you know, while you're out there. And that's, that's what Chris Mack, you know, has, has preached from the moment he got here and he know he lets you know, you know, that's going to get you on the court, which I think is great this year because so far it is only an exhibition, but our depth does look legit. So, you know, Mason Faulkner being a healthy scratch tonight, um, you know, not even, not even getting to see him, you know, I feel like you know, last game we didn't see Roosevelt Wheeler, but this game we saw a lot of him, and I'm pretty sure I think he was five for five from the field, um, mm-hmm. in the, in his yep. limited minutes. So I'm not mistaken. So I mean, you know, we're getting some some good some good looks at these new guys and and kind of how this just how this system is kind of going to look and how everything's going to run. But but yeah, um, did you ever figure out how many turnovers we had?
1: Yeah, yeah. To to answer that question, eight turnovers. So oh, wow, vast improvement. Wow.
2: Yeah, that's seeing that's the thing from one exhibition to another vast improvement. And that's great to see, especially so early. So, I mean, if the trend continues, you know, you, you don't want to, you don't want to get too happy. Like, we, like we've been trying to say over, it's hard to temper expectations when you've been waiting right. so long for basketball right. season. It's very hard to temper expectations. But, um, yeah, I'm really, I'm really optimistic and excited to see, you know, what, what we do moving forward. You know, this is a really positive – I think both of these games is a very positive glimpse into what this team could be in the future.
1: Yeah, I mean, so yeah. things that I said, I just tweeted out before the game, I was kind of thinking on all game about what I wanted to see from this team. And uh, after the first game, I really wanted to see improved shooting. I thought that it was just kind of like, they were just getting into their comfort zone the first game. A lot of like easy miss bunnies uh, vastly improved this game. Uh, it looked like they were uh, 57% from the field, 47% from three, 74% from the free throw line. That is exactly, I think, what, what fans should expect from this team. Uh, maybe, you know, somewhere in between the first few games. But I felt like they shot the ball much, much better this game. And a lot of that was just finishing around the basket. It really was. I said significant impactful minutes from JJ Trainer and, uh, and Faulkner. Uh, obviously, Mason Faulkner was a healthy scratch, as, as Ethan just said. And then JJ Trainer did not play as many minutes as I think a lot of people would have hoped for. Um, so I'm not sure as far as the JJ Trainer situation. We can get into this if you guys want it seems like JJ trainer is going to be that guy. That's kind of the, the guy that's left out on, on this roster. Uh, I kind of have been saying that ever since they um, went ahead and added Sidney Curry, because I felt like there were too many good wings to not play the wings at the three and the four. And Jalen Withers is probably the best player on the team. Malik Williams is, is the other obvious starter on this team. So who does that leave out is JJ trainer. Um, that doesn't, that isn't to say that JJ trainer isn't one of the more talented players on this team. He's offensively gifted. He needs to find time on the floor. Um, but it seems like he's only going to find time at, at the five spot. And it seems like he isn't a fit at the five spot. So it's just kind of a weird situation for JJ trainer. Obviously if, there, if there's an injury for one to one of the wings, uh, if there's an injury down low, he's going to be a super valuable guy to have on the bench, but it seems like you know, out of the first 10 people players, he's kind of the guy that's like 11th or 12th. That's going to be left out. Um, That's kind of unfortunate to see uh, from one perspective, but from the other perspective, like you guys have both already kind of hinted at. uh, It seems like, like, you know, having JJ trainer be the guy, the odd man left out is a great thing because that means that there's so much talent in front of him. Uh, Last thing I said was wings driving and finishing more aggressively. That's one thing I noticed, you know, in an exhibition game against a D2 team, you want to see more than two dunks. I, mm-hmm. I counted three in the first half, seven, eight dunks tonight. Much better from that aspect. Um, one thing that I'm trying to do is kind of write down just a quick, like really quick take, like initial right after the game take on each player that got a chance to get in the game. So let me run over that real quick. Uh, Malik Williams, almost 100% athletic freak. Dre Davis transforming before eyes. No lock, pure scorer. Not just threes, but those are great too. Uh, no lock was the only player on the team, by the way, that took more than ten shots tonight. Seems like he's got the green light and he's not afraid to shoot. Jalen Withers can truly do it all. Jared West can he be Uvalle's best guard? That's a hot take. Final four guard with the right pieces around him. Ellis can't say enough about his athleticism. Matt Cross, if Williams and West are the heart, Cross is the backbone of this team. Uh, Wheeler athletic. He's a he's a Naniwanawaku Malik Williams hybrid. How about that? Lucky Land Casino asking people
2: what's the weirdest
1: place you've gotten lucky?
2: Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Haha, in my dentist's office.
1: JJ trainer is something up or is he the odd man out? I kind of talked about that a little bit already and Sidney Curry. uh, He's the backup center, maybe closer to Malik than he is to Wisnitzer. that's kind of my take on that. Brad Colbert more than just nice locks. Um, And then (laughs) as far as, as far as the pace, my thought process was I love seeing Jalen Weathers, JJ trainer and Malik Williams, bring the ball up the floor. Like they get the ball. The guards start running up the floor already. I love that. I love that the staff trust them in that aspect. And I like that, especially when Jared West is on the floor, he is aware. Like, he's aware that he's the guy that needs to get the ball in his hands if this if something goes wrong. Like, for instance, if they're going to play North Carolina, Syracuse, something like that, if Malik Williams is bringing the ball up the floor, North Carolina is going to go to Malik Williams and pressure the ball, right? So it, it's it's a little bit different when you're playing West Georgia when Malik Williams can just go, oops, he's behind the back, over your head. Ooh, like you're a little kid, you know, like, That's that's kind of like how Malik Williams is treating West Georgia. It's going to be a little bit different when they're playing, you know, NC State. Right. Um, So that'll that'll change a little bit. But I I just like the the fact that the staff is confident enough to just allow whoever gets the rebound. If it's advantageous for Louisville, if they have numbers, they're going to run the ball up the floor. And we saw multiple times, you know, Matt Cross, you know, uh, Samuel Williamson, like these guys are bringing the ball up the floor themselves. So I thought that was fascinating. Um, As far as the defensive takeaways, one thing I noticed tonight, um, the game started out uh, after the first TV timeout, Louisville was down 12 to 11 uh, and one. They were really down. They were really tied 12 to 12 after the first five minutes. They were tied 16 to 16. And then Louisville outscored West Georgia, 87 to 35 for the rest of the game. That's great. Uh, The last game um they kind of put, took their foot off the gas but outscored the opponent you know by a, a crap ton and uh only a lot of 12 points in the first half so as far as the defensive end what have you guys seen that you like and what have you, what have you seen that that concerns you i'll, I'll defer to maddie first um what what, what what how do you feel about the defense so far
2: um i feel like it looks pretty good i feel like with our our starters it's solid Um, I feel like, you know, once we start getting down the bench and a couple younger guys are in, um, you know, there's a a few mistakes. I feel like early, um, early, early in the game, like the first um, couple plays defensively or possessions defensively, we were a little bit lax. I feel like maybe we came out not entirely, like, locked in on that end, thinking we maybe didn't have to be. And then West Georgia knocked down a couple shots, and it was like, oh, okay, you know let's play defense, you know? So, right, right. um, I feel like, you know, it was a couple slow rotations, stuff like that, but you know, on there's two sides of a coin to the exhibition where you don't want to get too excited, but you also don't want to get, you know, never too high, never too low. So you don't want to get like too down on like a couple mistakes because it is an exhibition. So it's like, it's so, so, so early that there's a lot of time to clean things up. So you right. don't want to get too discouraged about things that you see in an exhibition game. Um, just like you don't want to get too excited. Um, but I feel I feel like it looks pretty good. I feel like uh we had a really a pretty good defense, you know, last year. Um, I feel like the sophomores, you know, especially guys like Dre Davis, I feel like Sam Williamson has improved a lot on the defensive end. I feel like he definitely doesn't get beat um off the dribble, he doesn't get blown by as much anymore. Um, I know we've played a couple, you know, D2 teams, but still like to see the way he moves and the way his hands are active and his feet and compared to, you know, his first couple of years, um, he does, he does look like he has picked it up on that end. Dre, Dre definitely has always been a guy that can, you know, lock down on the defensive end. He can play in interior. He can play on the perimeter. Um, he loves to lock down a guy. He loves clapping his hands and getting in, you know, getting into a guy, um, but one thing I've noticed that is really, 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 really promising to me, um, all the deflections. Because if you, oh, yeah. if we think about, if we think about the teams, the Louisville teams that we, that we love, those teams that we love that got out in transition off those deflections, um, you know, and so definitely, I mean, the 2013 team, 2014 team, 2015 team, you know, teams like Ray Spaulding, you know, guys like Ray Spaulding, you know, getting however many deflections again, you know, 12 Mm -hmm. deflections a game by himself. But I see, I see things like that. And that's where, you know, guys like JJ trainer, I feel like he can carve out minutes because I feel like if, if Max sees an opportunity to get those kills, like, you know, a few couple good kills and then you're on a run and then, and you're, you're go from up three, you're tied 16, like we were tonight to up 20 and like that, you know? So I feel like, he could really carve out some minutes on that end with his length and his ability. It seemed like he kind of turned it on a little bit on the defensive end um, in the second half with his, you know, his minutes because he was in there until they put the the subs in in the second half. Mm-hmm. JJ was so, um, but he got, he got a few deflections. He got like three that I counted um, that he got his hand on the ball first and got it up there in the air. And then uh, Withers finished it a couple of times. Dre got his hands on a few of them. So I feel like if that's going to be a trend this this year and that we're already wanting to go fast, I feel like we can really put pressure on a lot of teams this year if we can get out and transition on top of having this really great offense. I think and I think it's funny that it reminds me of this, but it really reminds me of that team, the Kentucky team in 20, I think it was 2015. I'm pretty sure it was 2015. No, 2016, 2016. Mm-hmm. The Kentucky team in 2016, it wasn't that the team with De'Aaron Fox and Malik Monk,
0: Yes. Um, yes, 2016
2: 2017 okay, okay that team was so fast we beat them but you remember the, the ball would go through the basket and they had it inbounded and Fox was down the court yep and, yep. and that's what I that and that's what I'm thinking of that's what, that honestly what has me that this offense this new look offense has me thinking of is how difficult that is to defend because you because, especially when you've got shooters. Mm-hmm. And, and and that's a whole nother conversation, right? <laughs> but right. <laughs> we could get into it. But but you know, you asked me about defense, so but yeah, that's definitely to me. That definitely seems like something that you know, if it, if that trend continues, this this could be really really fun. This could be could have a chance to be special, you know, because if you can get out and transition, on top of having a fast offense period, you know, when the ball goes through the basket and you're going ninety four feet in four seconds, you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that definitely, once you get the defense, even if you end up having to back it out, you get the defense on their heels. You know, they're, they're real. And, you know, right. you can really, even if you end up setting something up, you know, the defense is like, oh my God, you know, you don't know what they're going to get into, especially like I said, when you've got shooters,
1: which yeah, we'll yeah. hopefully
2: get into in just a couple of minutes. Cause that's one of the most fun things to talk about, especially after the, the shooting that we've gone through the last few years, honestly, all in all, outside of like Ryan McMahon and Jordan Mora. It hasn't been the prettiest. So yeah, (laughs) really glad to see that.
1: Yeah. I mean, and and to your point, Madison, uh, you know, I was driving to work this morning, right? I was proud of myself because I was running on time. If you know me, you know, I'm just like casually late to everything. So I was excited. Coworker calls me. She says, hey, I don't know who else to call, but I have a flat tire. Can you please come and find my car on the side of the interstate and help me change this tire? Well, I got to get into work. I got meetings to get to. I got stuff to take care of. Like it really threw me for a loop. And to your point, um, you know, that was a terrible example, a terrible metaphor, if you will. But to your point, when you start your day, when you start your possession, we you start every possession with not knowing what's going to happen. When you start every possession, like you said, back on your heels, that's what was trying to do uh, effectively is. If you bring the ball up the floor and allow the defense to get set up, they're going to be prepared what, for what you're going to bring bring to them uh, on the offensive end uh, a lot more effectively than if Louisville gets the ball and whoever has the ball in their hands brings the ball up the floor. Like I, I cannot emphasize how difficult that is to prepare for when you have a six foot ten wing who can shoot the three or drive and can also be super active on the defensive end, block shots great passer like that is very very difficult to prepare for so when you're starting possessions and you're getting the team back on their heels even if they do get back and they get set up it throws them off so much and it gets just throws them so much for a loop that the rest of their day just feels a little bit off the rest of that possession feels just a little bit off and again ethan to maddie's point um jared west four steals tonight um, he led the team in steals. I would have to imagine JJ Trainer is probably up there as well, like Maddie said. Uh, but Jared West has probably led the team in deflections as well. He's a guy who he's going to pressure you coming up the floor 94 feet, but he's also the kind of guy where if the other team gets in the fast break. He's the kind of guy that's going to like slap the ball out of bounds and prevent the other team from getting two points. He's the kind of guy that's going to pick your pocket. He's the kind of guy that's going to jump passing lanes. Like he's just an intelligent defender, and I love that about Jared West as well. Um, Ethan, speak. Can you speak a little bit more on on what you are seeing from West uh, and, and maybe some of the other guards? And, and additionally, anything to add uh, as far as the defensive end for Louisville?
0: I'm really glad to see Mac. Sticking to his guns, for the most part, with the pack line, I yeah. think a lot, a decent amount of people, including myself, were a little worried that Mac was going to go a little overboard trying to change everything. Mm-hmm. Because you know, say what you want about the Mac era, the defense has been good statistically. Mm-hmm. I know people have been upset about, oh, you know, we're not doing do full court press, and mm-hmm. well, it's been good. I mean, the, he, the defense kept us in a lot of games. The defense. The year we were number one in the country was lar- the, uh, largely because of the defense. Right. Uh, also also the shooting, of course. But the defense has been good. And I'm glad he hasn't just completely abandoned his whole philosophy. Uh, but with Jared West, I mean, what a pleasant surprise. I think when yeah. we saw him commit, he was probably the guy because, you know, Noah Locke, perfect, made perfect sense. Everybody was thrilled. That was a huge Mm -hmm. get Matt cross ACC guy. He lit us up, made sense. But when Jared West came in, I think a lot of people were kind of like, okay, like, I don't really know about this. Right. But it's been, it's been awesome. I mean, when I was at the red, red, white scrimmage, I could, obviously there weren't many people there people, you know, I've been talking about that, but Mm -hmm. I was more, I was very impressed with his leadership I mean, you could hear him yelling at guys, telling him where to go, telling guys, you know, you should be on him, telling guys to cut here, cut there, screen here, screen there. His leadership was really important. Now, I know this is kind of a cliche, but it's true. He may not, you know, stuff the stat line. I feel sick even saying it because it's so cliche. (laughs) But (laughs) seriously, but seriously, I mean, the stuff that he has, the intangibles, I mean, he's been playing college basketball for 20 years. Um, he has tons <laughs> of experience. He has the most tournament experience out of everyone on his team. Right. Uh, Commons comments tournaments and stuff. Uh, his leadership is going to be really valuable. And like you mentioned, Presley, the steals, that was as advertised so far. Obviously, just exhibitions right. have to preface it with that. But, yeah, his on-ball defense has been really good. And really the trend continues with max ability to get these grad transfer defender guards. I mean, Quan four, as you know, with all the things he struggled with, he was still a great on ball defender. Yeah. Um, lots of these guards, Max brought in, have been great defenders. So it, it's nice to see that train continue. And like you said, he could be a, that type of guard you need in March to take you deep. The final four type guard, as you mentioned, and we don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but right. I mean, he's been, he's been impressive. He's been impressive. Um, and you know, when it comes to L Ellis, another nice surprise, I think a lot of us were hoping that L would, would be, you know, productive for us. And he's proven to, you know, he's definitely going to make us pull our hair out a little bit at times and send a ball up into the, up into the stands, but he's a playmaker. Um, he's a shooter. Uh, he's a guy that's going to go out there and if we're, you know, we're down, like, Eight points. It's like a 12 0 run or something, which we tend to do. Mm-hmm. Throw L out there, make a few plays, get us back in the game. He, he'll be that guy, you know, when we're playing, when we're down against, you know, Miami and we're struggling and just nothing's working. Throw an L and, and he's more than likely to go out there and make a play. It seems like, hopefully. And then, I mean, what can you say about Noah Locke? I mean, that guy has been awesome so far. Just a pure scorer, as you said, has the green light, it appears, like you said i um, super excited about him, and um, I know we may talk about shooting in a second. He may not be a guard, but it's hard not, when we talk about scoring. I talk about Matt Cross. Yeah. Um, so excited about him. I'm sure we can get into that in a second. But, yeah, I, I really like the guards so far. I think it was the biggest question mark with all the new additions, with Carlite gone, David gone. It seems to be that this new kind of group of four guys – is going to be serviceable. That was the thing. I was watching this game tonight and getting excited about our guards, how excited they were, how good, you know, shooters they all were, the playmaking. And then I was like, Mason Faulkner's not even playing in this game. Right. Yes. Like, I'm excited about these guards, and I kept forgetting Mason Faulkner's not even playing tonight. So that was that was excited to think about.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you look just across this box score, what I love about this team is that it, it feels similar to that 2019-20 team in a sense that every player brings something different duo of players that I feel like on this team kind of just bring the same thing. Right. Like I feel like a perfect example is at the wing position. Like I feel like Matt cross um, and, and Samuel Williamson uh, and then Dre Davis, they all bring something different to the table. I feel like J.J. Trainer and Jalen Withers are two very different players. I mean, it, you literally cannot get more different than Malik Williams and Sidney Curry, right?
2: You want you want a hot take from me on J.J. Trainer? Oh, yeah. take away,
1: Maddie. What are you talking about?
2: Of course, I think J.J. Trainer. Fingers crossed, fingers toes crossed, stay healthy and everything. Goes according to freaking plan, but I think if Mac does what he wants with JJ Trainer, what he is trying to do with JJ Trainer, he will be what we wanted Ray Spalding to be.
1: Oh, I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah, I he agree. He will be
2: that player. Yep.
1: You see, yep. Ray Spalding was like
2: barely scratching the surface of right. what he could and, have and, been.
1: And Ray Spalding was just never that guy. Like my brother played football like if you've ever seen my brother i know ethan has for sure he's like Mm. six foot three just big beefy dude like if you ever seen your younger brother family yeah my younger brother
2: yeah i follow him on twitter he's there you go yeah
1: (laughs) so there's there's a bunch of big beefy dudes in my family right like like i'm 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 definitely the smallest among us he just like always growing up everybody always told him like you got to play football like that is just what you're, you're destined to do. That's your calling. Like you could be an NFL football player if you wanted to like six, three, like no problem putting weight on no problem. Just like looking like he's going to beat you up. Like if you want to go to a party and make sure that like, you don't like run into some trouble, like you would bring a guy that's like my brother. Right. And my brother played football, like growing up, like, you know, flag football, you know, the, the stage is progressing uh, to, to tackle football. But then he got into tackle football, you know, like right before you get into high school, they start throwing on the pads. The kids start getting to be more your size and that sort of stuff. And what happened when he started playing football, when he started playing, like, you know, real true, like going into high school football, he was like, this sucks. Like people were like knocking me over. I'm coming home with bruises. Like, I hate this. Like he's a big softy. Like he was, you know, six, three, you know, easily 280 pounds. And, able to probably push kids around, but that's not his personality. And, and you get a lot of these players that come in that are like, you know, six nine, six ten, six eleven. Like, what's the first thing you see when you see a, a, a tall lady walking around? Oh, you play volleyball. Like, what's the first thing you see when you see a big, tall dude walking through the door when you're at a restaurant, you're like, Oh dude, I wonder if that guy played basketball. We should look him up. Like, that's just like the instinct. Right. And it seems like there's a lot of players that make their way into high level college basketball, who, were semi-athletic, and they had that frame where it looked like they are going to be a great college basketball player, but they never panned out. Uh, I, I think that, you know, I, I think it would be glossing over it a little bit too much to say that Ray Spalding was one of those players. But you're totally right, Madison, right? Like, there comes a time in your career where you have to make up your mind, where you have to decide, is this something that I want to do? Is this something that I'm passionate about? It seems like J.J. Trainer kind of had that moment in between his junior and senior year of high school where he was like, do I just want to be this guy who's tall and who has this ability, but I'm not like super into it or do I want to pour everything into it? And it seems like JJ trainer since his high school career has really just try- pre- proceeded to take it to the next level each season. He's not a guy that like grew up like uh, Samuel Williamson, for instance, where he was like a McDonald's all American kind of guy. He's a guy who was kind of craft. He's just working on his craft. He's just becoming a better player. And it seems like, ne- especially like next season and maybe the season after, like he's going to become a guy who is like the guy on the team, which is really exciting. He's a guy who can just do all kinds of, of, of things on the floor, on both ends of the floor. As you said, he's very yeah. active on both ends of the floor. Um, he it excites you me. You saw that
2: pretty jump shot too. <laughs> yeah,
1: it, yeah, exactly. Like he can do it all. Um, and that's what excites me about J.J. Trainer. But on top of that, He's an aggressor, right? And so you said, you know, he could be what Ray, what we thought Ray Spaulding could be to kind of just elaborate on that. And I am totally agree with you. I absolutely think that because he's just a guy who's willing to crash the boards. He's a guy who's willing to just cram the ball. Uh, he's a guy who has a smooth jumper. Like, I, I love what he brings to the table. As I said previously, I just don't think he fits with the other pieces on this team. I I'm hoping that Louisville's able to kind of build around him just a little bit more. What do you think about that? that Ethan?
0: Yeah. Well, to Madison's point, you all may remember this quote as well. I always remember Rick Bettino saying about Ray Spaulding that I remember him saying he has the most pro potential on this roster. And I mean, you think about the, the guys that Ray Spaulding shared with on that roster, Donovan Mitchell, Damian Lee, dang at the time was considered a major pro pro prospect i mean right. the list goes on of all the guys that he was on a team with there was so much potential there and you just feel like it was never really tapped and and you really feel the same way about jj trainer i, I think it's a really good comparison i mean the guy's got great length his shot is super pretty like you all were just saying um athletic like pressing like you said he's an aggressor he's just oozing with potential and yeah, I mean, he was honestly – that second half of the season was was one of the bright spots and one of the reasons for hope for lots of fans. And he was one of the reasons why a lot of us were excited about this coming season because of how good he was looking and how promising he was starting to look. And I know our, our friend Chris Hatfield loves to talk about um, the, the statistics of J.J. Trainer and why right. he should be playing him more. Uh, but, yeah, there's tons of evidence there of why – he should be playing and why there's reason for hope. Yeah. So I I totally agree.
1: I want to hear your all's and and this might be putting you on the spot a little bit. I have been, I've been on this, this kind of bandwagon of, I love JJ trainer. I wanted him to succeed so badly. He's one of my favorite players on this team, but I'm not sure where he fits in. Give me an argument for, JJ trainer, not being the like 11th guy, like the, the sixth guy off the bench. Right. Uh, maybe Maddie first. I don't know. Who, who, who would he supersede and, and why is it important that he's on the, on the floor over that person?
2: Hmm. I don't, I don't know, because I think it kind of depends on, um, honestly it could kind of depend on opponent because sometimes when you play an opponent, maybe that maybe you play an opponent that, the strength of their team isn't their guard play. So, right. you know, you don't really, you don't really need, um, you know, to worry about their guards as much. So JJ might not be in because see, I, I still don't think, you know, he's still got to put on some, some muscle. He's still a little bit, a little bit right. skinny out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it, but if you play a team that maybe, you know, they rely a lot on their guards and they don't really have a, a, a good big man, you know, the front court's a little bit thin or, or something, you know, I feel like JJ could come in there as like a second like a full second rotation like a full like new five but I feel like if you could put him whether at the five or the four because like I said I think with the depth there's really no limit because I mean you could put Samuel Williamson two guard if you wanted to you could put Dre Davis two guard if you wanted to Um, uh, it just depends it's kind of it's kind of endless possibilities but um, when you think about JJ specifically I feel like like I said it could be kind of match up Uh, matchup wise, how it works, because with his length, you know, and his ability to get those deflections and also his ability, you know, his, his ability to, to get out and block shots and ability to kind of defend, he can defend all five positions, you know, he needs to get stronger, like we said, but um, outside of that, you know, he's, he's a natural on, on that end as well. You know, he just kind of needs to hone, hone that ability a little bit, which, which I think Mac is really, really honing in on him. I think JJ, like you were talking about, could be a big, big piece, like a major piece in the next couple of years. Um, maybe the best, you know, the, the main dude on the team uh, is yet to be seen obviously, but for this year specifically, I don't know if it it's, he's necessarily supersedes anybody or like jumps over anybody. I feel like we're going to see a lot this year. Um, just kind of like how the scoring like this th- I think both these exhibition games we had five five guys in double figures and yeah. uh, double figure scoring so I feel like like Jalen Withers last year or or, in la- or the last game this last game looked like the best player on the floor the step back threes and mm-hmm. and and definitely you know as advertised but then this game he still had a great game but he he wasn't you weren't drawn to him you weren't watching him, like, oh my God, right. you weren't noticing Jalen Withers. Right. So I feel like I feel like this season, that's why I'm not really too hung up on like rotation and minutes or odd man out or, or things like that. Because I feel like with this system, especially if you can shoot, which JJ has shown, he he shot, oh he shot the ball okay last year, and he's shown, you know, the couple shots he's taken this year. He you know he knocked him down. The one he took tonight, he knocked down. It looked pretty. It was pure. Right. Um, so. You know, I feel like, I mean, you could slide him in at a, if you wanted to, at a hybrid, like in a, like a three role, you know, where he's out on the perimeter for catch and shoot threes. And then on defense, you know, he's so long and athletic that you could, he could just, you know, once he gets that strength on him, I mean, he could defend one through five. He's, he's just so agile and has so, so much potential through the roof. So I feel like there's no way that he doesn't get a good amount of a decent amount of minutes. This year, and I feel like his particular skill set, his specific skill set, um, will come in handy this year, especially against teams that we know are going to be loaded, like Duke and um, and things like that. And you, and you think about how he played against Duke teams like Duke last year,
1: right? You know, really JJ solid. was on
2: the floor a lot in those right. games, and those wins against Duke. JJ played really, really solid in those big games. Um, so I feel, I feel like you know. Um, this year, it's only going to serve to, you know, he's going to put on more weight as, as the year goes on. He's going to get stronger. He's going to be in the weight room lifting and going to get in there in his conditioning and just get stronger and better. Hopefully, you know, like I said, health, health keeps up with him and he doesn't have any setbacks, anything like that, but it could be crazy. It could be crazy the next couple of years, you know, this year may not come to total fruition. He may be, you know, the eighth or ninth guy, you know, off the bench or may come in and have only see extended minutes in you know certain situations like I was talking about. But like I said, I feel like that's kind of going to be the case for a lot of guys this year. I feel like we're going to see kind of a lot of situational lineups, and I feel like that's why Mac is talking a lot about it's important that every guy is the same guy every day, right. every day, guys that they're the same guy in practice, the same team in practice. You know, and I feel like if every guy keeps that mentality, it doesn't matter what five are on the court, you're going to run like a well-oiled machine like the team that you are so um I, I just feel that's how i feel about it
1: one other thing about jj trainer as well if you i don't know if you guys noticed watching on tv but when jj was in he was almost exclusively at i know that that max says they don't play posi- they play positionless basketball on the floor but if you're playing if you're playing positionless basketball i'm not really sure if, how you know where to run to You know, I'm saying, like, if 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 me if if the three of us are on the floor with two other schmucks, and and we're running up and down the floor, and and there's you know a a coach on the sideline telling us where to go, there has to be some sort of semblance of organization. So, for for our purposes, you know, if if Chris Mack is listening, I understand it's positionless basketball, but it looks like JJ Trainers on the block when he's on offense and when he's on defense. I know the pack line is in a traditional zone. But if it was the zone, you know, a two, three zone, for instance, he's on the back line, but on the wing, which I thought was fascinating. Uh, he didn't play much in the middle, uh, which he's I playing, like free that, yeah,
2: he's yeah. playing free
1: safety. Yeah. he's Playing
2: free safety.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And I like that, that Louisville kind of trust JJ trainer as that guy who can kind of be the athlete um, on the wing. And it looked like Samuel Williamson or Dre Davis, or one of those guys was kind of manning the middle a little bit, That probably won't be the case when they're playing like Kentucky or North Carolina, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I don't think when they're playing Paolo Banchero at Duke uh, that they're going to put Samuel Williamson in the middle um, of the pack line, but maybe that's just me. I don't know. Ethan, um, I guess same question goes for you. The minutes were very evenly distributed tonight Uh, of the scholarship players. Roosevelt Wheeler was the only scholarship player that played that didn't reach 10 minutes and he played nine. Uh, so they really distributed the the minutes well, but during the season, if JJ Trainer is going to see more clock than he is right now. Uh, whose minutes do you think that he eats up?
0: Yeah, it's tough. I mean, really, Chris Maxson, kind of a tough spot, but it's a good problem to have. I mean, Absolutely. A lot of these guys, a lot of these guys seem to. We, I don't see a bust yet. To be honest. obviously right. still very early, very course. early, yeah. But nobody's out there. I mean, God love him. Like Aiden Agehan, where he just looks lost. And you're right. just like, oh, no. I mean, so that's encouraging to see. You know, Rose hasn't played a ton, but he doesn't look completely lost out there. So, yeah, I mean, as you said, Presley, it, it's kind of tough. It's it, We don't know what it, it exactly it's going to look like. I mean, Curry played two minutes more than J.J. the past two exhibitions. Right. Does that mean you know Mac is just trying to get more of a look from Curry right now because he's uh, was a late addition and he's really new? Good point. Uh, I don't know, but Curry, I would argue, has been was more effective than JJ in the last two exhibitions. So I mean, I don't, I don't know what to make of this. To be honest with you, I mean, Curry played fourteen, JJ played twelve tonight. Um, Malik played twelve. Let's see who I'm who missing. I think that's it for the bigs, basically. Right, right. Yeah, so it, it's tough because you, you look at the roster, you see the breakdown, you see, you know, the productivity of the players. You can't really have Jalen off the floor too long. Mm-hmm. You don't want Malik, the three-time captain, off the floor too long. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you see the scoring that Matt Cross is – I mean, this – this dude was pulling up from the logo tonight. I mean, he hit like he, he three some, threes.
1: Yeah, four threes, and they were all they were all NBA range.
0: Yeah. yeah. I mean, unreal. You you can't keep that guy at the court. Um, so it, it's really tough. And uh, to be honest with you, I, I don't I'm not really sure if I have an answer for you. Um, right. we're just gonna have to see in these first few games. Cause I really like Curry. Maybe it's just because I love having a bruiser that's a reliable post guy. And that's just something we've kind of lacked for a while here. We, we get him once in a blue moon and I love that we have one now. So I'm a little partial to Sydney, unfortunately, uh, admittedly, I guess I should say.
2: He right. gives me um, Shane Bahannon vibes.
0: Seriously. And Shane Shane, good of good, all time good comparison. Player.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let me turn to Go Twitter ahead. real fast. Cause we do have a couple questions. Not as many as last week, but I understand it's a week night. Uh, Jack three uh, seven five seven four seven reached out to us. He said it's hard to tell since it's just been exhibition games. But how deep do you see Matt going into the bench in a tight end of season or postseason game? Uh, I think that's a really good question, um, and and I think that's kind of been asked uh, more or less in some of the pressers. But Ethan, what? What do you think? Do you think that there's any players right now that you look at that you see them potentially not being, you know, not being on the floor at the end of a tight game?
0: Oh, man. Um, Probably not Al Ellis. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I agree with that so far. A little more prone to turnovers. It's a trade off with Al. I'm in no way comparing him to Russ Smith. So nobody take this and run with it. But in a way, it is more of the, he's going to do something crazy and it's going to be really fun or it's going to make you want to throw a chair. Right. <laughs> um, right. So it, that's what it kind of feels like as of right now. Agreed. So um, I, in a late game situation would be really comfortable with a Jared West and Noah Locke that court really yeah. experienced guys um, Jared West has proven to be a fantastic passer. That's one thing I think maybe we need to talk about at least a little bit. The passing has been amazing so far. i have loved to watch the passing on this team. Um, and then Noah Locke's pure scoring ability, you want to see that in the late game. Um, so, yeah, as of right now, I'd say more the inexperienced guys, like Ellis, um, Matt Cross hasn't been – too careless with the ball so far he's pretty young so that's been good to see and right now all I can think of for guys that I don't really want to see late game or is LLS to be honest I guess
1: so no shade to, L I'm sorry no it's it's fine and I, I think that's a good take because I mean you have to look at this roster and say you know it seems like there are 11 12 13 guys on this roster that all you could you could make an argument for every one of them receiving more playing time than, than their counterpart, which is the perfect problem to have. That is so yep. polar opposite of everything that we saw last season, like everything that we saw last year, everything in the Chris Mack era, to be honest with you. I mean, yep. I know there was, there's a little bit of depth in the 1920 season, but I mean, you weren't going to take, uh, you know, I, 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 personally, I don't feel like you're going to, you're going to take uh Jordan war off the floor in that season. Like, I don't feel like yep. you're going to take, uh, who else, who else was on that team? That Well,
0: in that season, too, I believe in 1920, yeah. I mean, Chris Mack would literally put on Ryan McMahon to shoot a three and then take him off to put in Kwan Ford to play defense. Yep. That's the situation Chris Mack has been in since he's been here. Mm-hmm. And that's why, I mean, it's, it's mind-boggling to see people calling for his job when he's had all the limitations that he's had here. That's another conversation.
1: Yeah. Preaching to the choir, brother. Preaching to the choir. Yeah. Um, Maddie, before we get to you th- with this question, um, we'll go over LL's stat line real fast. Five points, two for five from the field. One for two from three-point range. I I do question his three-point shot, and I think that was kind of the question coming in with L. Ellis. He is a good three-point shooter. Don't get me wrong, but he is more of a catch-and-shoot or kind of like a get-his-guy-off-balance pull-up kind of guy. Like, he does not have a quick trigger by any means. Um, so that is a bit concerning. Uh, five total rebounds, but then you get into four fouls, two turnovers, um, and it looks like he, he kind of has a little bit of a shorter leash. I, I, it looks like Mac and the staff are, like, really on him about he does make some crazy wild plays, and you're like, what the hell was that? But at the same time, like, they have to reel that in because they're already running this quick system like you have to, you have to be able to make the wise decision. Um, he reminds me in a lot of aspects of Darius Perry, where he just has that like, just innate ability to just score the ball. Like he's just like a, like almost like that street ball ability. Like where he, he's going to pull up and take a shot that you think he has no business taking, and hits it, and you're like, oh hell yeah! Like let's go! Like that's that's very Darius Perry, right? Um, I, I think there's a lot of that in LLS. LLS, very similarly to JJ Trainer, is a guy that I feel like might get left out just a little bit more than we expected. Um, but I could see them both, I could see them being the two stars of next season's team, right? Like those are the, that's, that's what we're talking about with LLS and, and Trainer. So I see more yeah. potential with the, with those two players. Maddie, what what, what do you think? In, end of the game situation. Um, who do you think is ultimately going to kind of, be one or two guys maybe that 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 aren't on the floor
2: i'd probably have to agree on ellis just from what we've seen right now kind of with what we're talking about some of the crazy plays and also you know a few of the turnovers and stuff like that um other outside of him maybe maybe a guy like curry right um maybe just because you know you don't want him getting lost on defense or or something like that, you know, or are getting beat or, you know, maybe they switched on him and a quick guard beats him, you know, cause he's not, he's not as quick. He's not, he is, doesn't have as quick feet, you know, to, as maybe a guy like Sam or, you know, even Noah Locke, you know, Noah Locke's got a six, eight wingspan, which is crazy. Um, <laughs> but that, that, mm-hmm. kind of, uh, that kind of that kind of, that's the only two guys that I can really think of that you w- really wouldn't, you know, have on the floor. But I think as far as like, the other part of the question that you were talking about, like in end of season, like kind of maybe like lineups or like how deep um, Mac might go. I'm, I'm thinking maybe, maybe if you're going to limit the lineup, like eight, eight deep, maybe nine. Cause you're thinking you've got the starting five. If you stick with the same starting five and then you get, uh, you know, maybe you obviously Sam and cross off the bench. And then I'm thinking trainer. So that's eight. And then depending on the situation, maybe you're having trouble rebounding the ball. Maybe then you put Sidney Curry in, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel, cause I mean, I'm, I'm with Ethan. I wanted to say something when he was, uh, after he was talking about that, Sidney Curry, cause Sidney Curry, I love watching him rebound the ball. Like that's, that's what I'm saying. He gives me Shane and right. vibes because he really does like the relentless, the relentlessness on the boards and just the way he uses his body and boxes out and gets in there and, you know it it really just reminds me of that which is great because I loved having Shane on a guy like Shane on the team. I think we would all agree that we loved having Shane behind it on that on our basketball team. So I feel like a guy like that is only gonna only gonna um you know help the team in certain situations, you know, like I've been talking about I feel like we're so deep it's a good problem to have because you literally can can just put you know a, a bunch of guys in there. You can go really deep and you can count on them, you know, to to execute the way that they've been executing, you know, in practice. And, and as the start of the season comes around, you know, you really want to see just incremental improvement, you know, because at the end of the day, it's going to come down to those guys who, are the same and who can put themselves out there every single time and know that they're giving 100% energy, 100% effort, and can execute what Mac wants to execute because there's a very specific style of basketball now, finally, which I feel like we've been waiting on. I feel like the past couple years, especially, we've been like, this team doesn't have an identity. This team doesn't have an identity. But now mm-hmm. we finally see that this team has an identity. This team is actually wants to go fast on offense, this team, you know, has a, a really good point guard like we were talking about, you know, in Jared West, who is an, you know, an orchestrator of the offense, somebody who can get the ball and, and set everything up and get them organized. And, and it's just, it's just a really, it's really interesting to think about all the possibilities that there are out there because there really are so many possibilities.
1: Yeah. And it, I, I like your point too, about, about Sidney Curry because he is just not I I think a lot of these guys that Mac brought in, they really did their homework on on what these players can provide, because if you just watch the tape, if you just watch their game tape, uh, it's going to obviously just be highlights of them, like with a ferocious dunk or hitting a three. You don't see a lot of what they can actually bring to the table. And it's really fascinated me how Sidney Curry is not like a, like, he doesn't want to be like Montrezl Harrell and just, like, destroy the rim every time, which, like, I, I enjoy having that type of player, don't get me wrong, but Sidney Curry's ability to get up and down the floor and Sidney Curry's ability to box out and, and be a great rebounder and his ability to have finesse mm-hmm. around the basket has been fascinating to me because I just thought this was going to be a guy that's like, Sidney Curry, see ball, Sidney Curry, put ball in basket, <laughs> like, Like, that's... <laughs> That's kind of like, I, that's that's what I expected to see for, from Curry right. um, coming out of junior college. And it, he seemed like a guy, who was like unpolished. And now granted, Sidney Curry is a guy that I saw. Uh, and, and and I've said this before, I believe on, on this podcast, when I was back, when I was watching the John Logan highlights, uh, when Jay Scrub was coming in um, and, and they were teammates back then. And I really felt like, like, Curry, which I didn't even know his name at the time. I just, I was just like, whoever that guy is on their team, like he needs to get more playing time and Louisville needs to freaking recruit that guy. Like I just liked watching him on tape when I was watching, you know, a guy that's, that's, you know, had got starts under his belt in the NBA already. So like Mm -hmm. Sidney Curry has always stood out on tape to me last year. He was a little bit overshadowed because literally the tallest player in college basketball was on their team. Um, So he he's a guy who's kind of been in the shadow a little bit, but he's a guy who has just this ability uh just to just finish around the basket as a great rebounder. Like he, he's just a prototypical right. big and uh, granted, I don't want to get like ahead of myself because they are just playing division two teams, but like that's been kind of the consensus in practice too, is like, he's like the bona fide number two player. And it doesn't matter when Gabe Woodsensor comes back. Like I know Gabe's been making progress, but like, Seems like it's going to be Williams and Curry, and then they'll defer to Trainer or Wisnitzer or, um, you know, J, uh, uh, Wheeler. Like it, it's going to be one of those guys instead. Uh, to answer this question and kind of wrap it up a little bit, Jack. Um, it, I, I mean, I think this team all the way into the postseason, if healthy, they're going to go as deep as, as they are right now. Um, and, and again, we haven't mm-hmm. even we haven't even talked about the fact that that perhaps their best guard is basically just not even played yet. Um, so that's, that's a totally, uh, different twist that you can put on in and, and, and hopefully we'll see a healthy Mason Faulkner for the first game of the season. And we'll have that conversation down the road. Um, but as far as how deep this team goes, I, I, I think that maybe they tighten up the screws a little bit and it gets established that like Sidney Curry's playing, you know, six to 10 minutes a game and LLS is playing 12 to 15 minutes a game. Like maybe we get to that point. I don't know. I think it's going to be like anything. It's going to be matchup. It's going to be determined by matchup foul trouble, which is, you know, something, you don't really get in an exhibition game when you're overmatching somebody Um, you know, we'll get into that a little bit down down the line. As far as players are going to get left out. I agree with you, Ethan. I think that Ellis stands out as a player that doesn't seem like he's ready for the end of the game situations. Curry. I'm not sure about yet. I don't think we've seen. It's really difficult to tell with the bigs, right? Like, Malik Williams right. is just like out there having a field day. Like he's bringing the ball up the floor, <laughs> like he's like fumbling with the ball and then just picking it back up and scooping it under the basket. Like that's not the yeah. kind of stuff that you do against other guys who are also 6'10", 6'11", and super athletic. Like that's just that's just, just exhibition stuff. Like he's just toying with these other guys. So right. No I was just there. gonna
0: add that's just the caveat with these exhibitions. I mean, the the gap between these you know smaller schools is always the the bigs. Because they don't, they just don't have guys like Malik Williams or Sidney Curry. But yeah, go ahead.
1: No, no, I mean, I, I think that's, I think that's a perfect point. Um, and I'd just kind of wrap that question up. Um, I, I'm, I'm hoping it doesn't get narrowed down. I, I hope that the options are open all the way through March. Um, but I, I do think that this team will be kind of centered around Wes and Williams. Um, as far as what we've seen so far, I just, I love what they both bring to the table. I love the defense. I love the rebounding. Um, and I will, I like that they can both push the pace. Like it's just, it's just the perfect, they're just the perfect fits for the system. The other question we had was from Danable, um, long time message board guy, long time Twitter user, longtime follower of the, of the site. Um, his question was, um, essentially what if Louisville wins the first six games, then Matt comes back and they start losing. Well, I hope we have that problem. I, I hope we win the first six games and we'll talk about that. Right. Like, cause that, that will be the conversation. Cause I believe when Mac comes back, they play Michigan State. So, um, I, that seems like a game, regardless, that they're probably going to lose. Maybe I'm wrong. But just looking ahead at Michigan State, Mac's first game back, it just, it, it feels like an L. But, uh, it, it, it just, just the way the Michigan State ebbs and flows have been Louisville got the last one. Izzo is kind of a revenge kind of guy. He's kind of that like, you know, master motivator, it just feels like a loss. It just does. I'm sorry. Um, but regardless, I think Louisville probably goes five and one. If you're, if you tune into the podcast a lot, Nick Connor and I are actually going to go into that, uh, later this week. So stay tuned for our like pre, our post exhibition pre preseason podcasts. Uh, but kind of just to wrap it up a little bit, we could kind of get into, just as far as from you, Ethan and Maddie, your kind of predictions, you don't have to give like record predictions or anything, but let's say better, better or, or worse or about the same. Do you feel better, worse, or about the same about this, about the non-conference season as you did 10 days ago?
2: I feel better because I feel like we, it's just, it literally has just been all talk up until this point about, you know, what, what the offense was going to look like and how fast it was going to be and how it was going to be different, how we were going to be able to tell, you know, and I feel like now that we've seen it in action, now it's like, okay, this this has potential. Like, now we're getting somewhere with this. So, right. I definitely – I feel better. I feel better.
0: <laughs> yeah, I got to agree. I feel better, too. Um, I mean, guys, we put up – I know we only put a 94, but basically 100 points in both games. Yes, it's against – you know, smaller schools, but I mean, that, that, that was impressive to see, to go from what we saw last year to a fun, fluid, high shooting, high scoring offense. That was good to see. I I mean, I was worried about, there's so many moving parts on this team, so many incoming guys. I was worried about how it was all going to work. I mean, I was hopeful, but to see it, come together against somebody that wasn't us was encouraging i think you know exhibitions fans especially fan bases like ours love to overanalyze exhibitions and stuff but really there couldn't be a time where an exhibition is more important this is probably the most important louisville basketball season since 2014 i would agree arguably yeah yeah one uh, yeah, one of the it definitely Chris Mack's most important season. Um, new staff, essentially, and basically an entirely new team with a new offensive philosophy. There was a lot that could have gone wrong in these exhibitions, and it didn't. It actually went really well. We scored 100 points and held the other team to 50. I mean, it doesn't, that's the best case scenario. So, so far, so good there could have been a disaster scenario and it didn't happen. So yeah, I, I feel a little better. It was nice to see it come together and it was nice to see all the talk in the off season actually come to fruition. The guys that were getting hyped up look good. Yeah, Jared West seems to be getting the uh, Dwayne Sutton treatment a little bit. He's like Chris Max's favorite person on the planet. It right. seems like, <laughs> but right. it's warranted. He, he's been good. So yeah, I feel pretty good
1: absolutely meets the eye test absolutely exceeds expectations um a- after after the offseason 100 percent agree guys we're gonna get out of here for now ethan maddie thank you so much for coming on the pod we're so excited to have you and uh hopefully you know between nick and i i'm sure that that we'll need some guest hosts again so i'm hoping that we get the opportunity to get you guys back on 13,000 people. Is is the season in jeopardy because of that? Is the season in shambles? Tune in next time on Starting 502 Podcast.
2: (laughs) What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health.